basically what it comes down to is this for me I don't love me and my wife we've gone through a tragedy here lately mm. and it seems like every time I talk to somebody if I can get through this that I don't want to be known we don't want to be known as the parents that lost their son I would rather be known as a disciple of Christ my son's not dead the life and heavenly Christ. That's what we're doing. Okay? Sorry. Anyway, it means too much, and this is too short of a time to spend here. This is paper. This is not. This isn't real. There's real. That's where our people are. I've always said that when you always read the paper, proceeded in death by when obituaries written. And that's really not the way we ought to write our obituaries. We ought to write reunited through mm. death with our loved ones. Yeah. But all in all, I would much rather be known as a disciple of Christ. And from now on, that's what I want to do. That's it. Thank you. It's awesome. It's awesome. Any other guys have anything? Now, here's another reason why I really, really, really want everyone to stay, because I'm really kind of hoping that we're just kind of kind of move next door, and we're going to continue the conversation around our, around our food, which is really what we do when we eat as a family. That's really what the, the dinner table in a home should be. It should be a time when the family comes together, and they communicate, and they converse, and they, they share life with one another. And that's what we as the body, as the family of Christ, need to begin to practice. That we carry our conversation, we carry what's in our heart. We're going to go next door and as a family, we're going to sit around tables and we're going to eat together and we're going to share our hearts together. Anybody else? Because, you know, once I get started, uh, you, you probably lost your opportunity. <laughs> Now, now, here's the thing. Some of them said, well, okay, thank you. Yeah. And it's not that it has to be today. You know, we're going to hear some more things later, but... You... Yeah, I think you do, because you're kind of soft-spoken sometimes. Okay, well, um, some of the guys here know we do a, a Tuesday night... Um, study on the uh, the movie Courageous, and there's some some material we go through. Um, and so I have a heart for for men and struggling with things that men struggle with. And I was sitting there, and there was one guy. There's a lot of vendors and sponsors at this thing, and they could do these different workshops. Well, the workshop I stayed for, one of the many, um, was the men's discipleship workshop. And I was just kind of looking around. I mean, there was you know this place seats 2,900 people, and um, there was less than 1% of the men present when this guy was talking. And it just struck me, you know, that, I mean, these are, these are pastors and future pastors and ministers. They all have their own ministry. They're church planters, all the people that were attending this. And less than 1% of the men were present when this man was talking about men's discipleship. And it just struck me, the need is just so great. Um, and this, you know, men struggle everywhere. 
But something happened about two and a half years ago right here in our own community. And um, we had, a, we had a, another church here in Taylor. Some of you guys might know Kelly Lambright. I don't know if you do, but um, he was an, an acting youth leader at this church here in Taylor that we were attending when we first got here. And you look at him and everything is great. I mean, smiling on his face. He's got a, just built their dream home. He's got a beautiful wife and beautiful children, two daughters and a son. And you think he's got everything, you know, and you, you look at him, you talk to him, everything is great. Um, my wife and I had a discussion that, you know, we should get to know these people. We should have them over for dinner. And uh, we missed the opportunity because um, he just lit this house on fire, went down to the stream by his house and put a shotgun in his mouth and took his life, um, left behind his wife and three children. I mean, you didn't know what was going on in his life, but he had a whole lot of stuff he was struggling with. And there's a need, and every man needs somebody. Um, and I kind of shared this with some of the guys Tuesday, that um, if you're struggling with something, if there's something in your life that you're dealing with, you're going through, don't go through it alone. Um, you know, find somebody in your life you can touch and you can talk to. Um, you know, Pastor Jeff is a wonderful example. Um, he reached out, well, I reached out to him not knowing who he was. He didn't know who I was. And uh, I just picked up the phone in the Yellow Pages, and that's how we ended up at Christ Fellowship. But um, that's another story. But um, find somebody. If you're struggling with something, please seek me out. Seek Pastor Jeff, anybody. Um, and then if there's somebody that you know that's struggling, come along beside them. Find out. Get involved in their life. I missed that opportunity with Kelly. And, you know, I really hope God doesn't judge me for that. Um, <laughs> um, but I think he has forgiven me. But I just, I don't want to miss another opportunity to be there for somebody. And uh, that's just kind of what I got out of the out of the, the service, that, out of the conference that we went to. There's just a huge need, and it, it needs to be brought to the forefront because we are the leaders of our home. And without the leaders of the home, the home will will fail. So... We need to be those leaders. And so just find somebody you can come a, a, alongside and uh, just get in somebody's life and, and be there for them. That's really all I have to say. Oh, go, man. I don't really know what I'm almost really I'm, I don't really know what I'm really have to say that maybe some of you haven't heard it before so I just hope it comes out naturally and just um, I'm happy to be alive I'm happy to be here with all of you um, some of you I don't know um, I don't have a personal relationship with uh, on a day-to-day -day basis um, but for me what I what I took away from the conference is that this idea of being a disciple um, you know, how many times have we heard that, you know, just being a Christian? I've been a Christian since I was about 16 years old. But I never really knew what it was to be a disciple. I didn't know what it was to make disciples. Um, and so that's really the, the biggest thing that I took away from this time that we had this weekend. Um, 
You know, that's what Jesus called us to do. He didn't call us to go out into the world and make converts. He didn't call us to go out in the world to save people. He called us to go into the world to make disciples. And, um, you know, I'm with Dave, you know. You don't know me. I don't know you on a personal level. But I want to get to know you. And I want to live life with you. And that's where the power of Christianity is. That's getting up beside your brother. The good times. Bad times. And it's being there. Now what else can you do? I mean, apart from the Spirit of God, we're... You know, we're nothing. And that has to be the most powerful truth. Hmm. And I hope and I pray that we can all understand that. And I stand up here and I'm weeping and I may look like a fool. Mm-mm. God, change us. <laughs> Make us into your disciples that we may go out into the world and make other disciples of you because that's the only way that we're, that we're going to get this thing done. Not by our strength, but by Christ in us. That's the only hope that we have. You know, that's what Dave is saying when he wants to be a disciple. Mm. He's not saying that he is going to do something great. He's, going to, he's saying that Christ is going to do something great through him by going alongside his brother mm. and by being there in the good times and the bad times and living life with him. You know, that's such a foreign concept because we all have jobs. We all have lives that we live. We all get busy. But are we taking the time to invite people into our lives who don't know the Lord? Are we taking the time to invite our own family, our blood relationship, our our relatives, our moms and our dads and our brothers, and sitting down with them and showing what it means to be a Christian? Because if we do that, the world as you know it, the world as the world knows it, will no longer be the same. Mm. And I guess that's really what, you know, yeah, it was a conference, you know, a bunch of speakers from all over the world. 
They say things eloquently, some of them. You know, it was a conference. But this is what God spoke to me through that conference, through that tool. And I really feel like this is the direction that the bride of Christ is going. Turning back to her first love. Anyways, that's uh, pretty much it. Thank you, man. I love you. Any other guys? So here's the deal. Um, I had no clue what Verge was. I'd gotten online and looked at some stuff. Um, there were people there from all over the world. They broadcasted in over 6,000 locations worldwide. There were people in parts of the world that stayed up all night to, to be able to, via the Internet, join in to this. <clears throat> some of you know, um, you know, in some ways, uh, I feel... Some ways I feel kind of isolated. I mean, I talk to pastors here around town, and I've got some other guys, you know, like Jack and Cliff. That, but I don't get out a lot and go a lot of places, and I'm not connected to a big organization and, and all of this. But you know, if you've been here long enough, um, if you've been here long enough, you know that you've heard me say this for for a number of years now, there is a transition taking place in the body of Christ. And you've heard me say that the church in America, the Western church as we know it, is, is, is disintegrated. What we have left is an illusion in our mind. We've got people that grew up in that church in that time, in that era, and we keep wanting to go back to that, but I'm telling you what, that is gone. It's gone and it will never, ever come back. That's hard for a lot of people to hear. There were people there, I mean, every, Richard, the guy in front of me, his name was Brad Johnson from Kentucky. Good old Baptist boy. Dave and Brian sat next to Presbyterians from Cincinnati. I talked to a staunch Church of Christ guy from Houston. I'm like, this is the, the, the weirdest collection. Uh, Pentecostal, Church of Christ, Presbyterian, Baptist, Met, I mean, just everything you can imagine. Like, this is the weirdest collection of pastors and leaders. I had no clue what I was walking into. And so for, for years, you guys have heard me talk about this. It's been, a source of, of, it's been a source of agitation for some. It's been a source of, you know, um, right, let's just be honest. And I walked into this conference, and, and I guess what was so transforming or affirming or whatever you want to say is I walked into a, an environment, a venue, where... Church leaders literally from all over the world had come together and they all understood this truth. The church as we know it doesn't exist anymore. The church as we have known it. People are coming from foreign countries. Listen, 
We spent all day Thursday with a group from England. And this guy, Mike Breen, who um, was, he, he taught at Cambridge University. This guy's not a, he's not a hayseed. He taught theology at Cambridge University. He pastored the largest church in England. And he, he left that church and came to America. We heard from a guy named Alan Hirsch from Australia who leads a group called Forge. Mike Breen leads a group called 3DM. There were these networks of churches there. There were thousands upon thousands of churches represented there. All parts of these various networks. These guys have come to America, and this is what they're saying, that the future of the Western church hinges on the American church. Those guys from Europe will tell you, look, Europe is post, 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 post. Now, that doesn't mean God's not moving. God is moving. God's moving in a powerful way, but he's just not doing it in the way that we traditionally understand because that way is gone. I'm telling you, we don't live in a Christian nation. We don't live in a Christian culture anymore. We don't. That doesn't mean Christ isn't in our nation and Christ doesn't want to be in our culture and Christ doesn't want us to affect our culture. But what I'm saying when I say that is we can't rest on what used to be. We can't rest on the labels and the things that we just took for granted and understood because we stood in our... I did every day when I went to school, stood and said the Pledge of Allegiance, said one nation under God, and then I would say the Lord's Prayer. And we think that America has fallen apart because we don't do that anymore. Wrong. I'm going to tell you that doesn't have anything to do with it. I'm sorry, you may disagree, but that's the truth. It has nothing to do with what happens in school. It has everything to do with what happens in the family. We don't make disciples at public school. We make disciples beginning in our families. And this is why the Bible calls the church a family. And so I go to this thing and I'm, I'm talking to pastors and I'm listening to these guys who, who get it. And they're saying, they're issuing a warning. They're like Jeremiah's who are crying out to the church saying, you better wake up and understand what is taking place. If you don't, if you don't get your eyes open, if you don't realize what's happening. And, and I was, I'm telling you what, I was so encouraged because I sat there with thousands of pastors and I don't know how many tens of other thousands worldwide were, were joining in and they all get it. And it's not, it's not complicated. It's not hard. The theme of this conference was so simple. And what amazed me is men from, and women from all over the world, from different backgrounds, from different networks, from different churches, they got up on that stage and they all said the same thing. They said it in a little bit different way. They used maybe a little bit different terminology. But, but unlike most conferences that you go to, you get, you get this and you get that. And it's like all of these different things. And you're trying to, it's for me at least, I don't know, it might not have been for anybody else. You know, uh, Joshua said this, it's, it, it's timing. A lot of this is timing. And God knew. And, and I walked in and I mean, everything just flowed right together. And it just it was just like, for me, a big sigh. <sighs> okay, God. You really are doing something that is 
not just powerful, but I'm telling you what, uh, you know, as, as I read a lot of this stuff, you hear this term thrown around a lot or this thing that, that the world is ripe for another reformation. That God is getting ready to initiate another reformation. You know, we would all, if, do you guys understand what the reformation is? If the reformation would not have happened some 500 years ago, do you, do you realize that we'd all be Catholic right now? We'd all be in the, that, that's right. The reason why Christianity as a whole is not Catholic is because a reformation happened. Because men said, you know what? It should not just be the priests who have the scriptures. The masses should have the scriptures. And we should translate it into the language of the masses. Because, because your poor peasant farmer can't read Latin. So we're going to translate it into German and Spanish and Italian and English. And there was a, a reform that took place in the church. I'm telling you, there's a reform taking place in the church. And here's what it is. The church is going back to the roots of Scripture. These guys are a lot smarter than me. They've spent their whole lives devoted, poured their whole lives into this. Some of these guys have got more letters after their names than I don't even know what it means. But you sit and listen to them and they're just as down to earth and regular and every day as they, they speak the language that you can understand. And out of their vast knowledge, they've come to the conclusion, real simple, something that I think we could all come to the conclusion if we don't get back to this thing right here called the Bible, if we don't let this define everything we do, then we're not letting the Lord build the house and we labor in vain. And, and we have seen in the last 50, really the last 100 years, a labor taking place and we've seen where it's come to, where it's brought us to. Our nation appears to be crumbling, but I got good news for you. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, before you build up, there's a tearing down. And God has allowed, listen, this should not be a surprise for us. The book of Hebrews says that God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. He did it in his day. Listen, just, just 40 years after, 30 some odd years after the crucifixion of Jesus, about 37 years after the crucifixion, God sent a Roman army to Jerusalem. He destroyed that city, destroyed that temple, carried away that people. And the writer of Hebrews wrote about that. He said, listen, God is getting ready. This thing is passing away. And God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. And I'm telling you what, in our day, what the church has built that is shakable, God is shaking it right now. And what's going to stand? It's going to be the unshakable kingdom. The kingdom of God that God has given to us is unshakable. This word is unshakable. If we build our families on the unshakable kingdom and the unshakable word, and we understand that our churches, we are the body of Christ, the family of God. If we build this family on the unshakable word of God as he delivers to us the unshakable kingdom of God, it doesn't matter what happens around us. And this isn't a formula, a complicated thing. If I could just sum it up in one sentence, the theme of this weekend was, look, as you follow Jesus, 
Just bring people into your life and let them watch you and learn from you. Now, we can make it more complicated than that, and there's, there's more things involved than that. But honestly, what did Jesus do? He picked 12 guys, and he brought them into his life, and they lived life together. We, 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 this is part of discipleship. I'm, I'm telling you right now, Sunday morning is part of discipleship. But if we're dependent on two hours on Sunday morning or, or whatever other events we can muster up and times we can muster up to get together, if that's what we're dependent on for our discipleship, that, that's like saying I'm going to raise my kids by uh, spending two hours a week with them in special events every so often. Could you raise your kids like that? Could you raise your children? You don't. How do you raise your children? You live with them. You do everything with them. One guy, he said, man... This, this guy, his name was Propaganda. He was pretty cool. And they had a lot of video clips. He said, I got a friend in Chicago. His name is Carlos. Carlos says, man, we made discipleship too complicated. He said, man, if you're going to the post office, just drive by and pick, pick the brother up and take him to the post office with you. If you're going to the grocery store, just drive by and pick him up and take him to the grocery store with you. Just live life together. But see, in America, we're so busy doing good things. We don't have time to live life with people. We barely have time to make it to church, right? How are you going to live life with somebody? You can't even make it to church. Because we've, we've built everything around this. And that's wrong. One of the guys... He said the church growth movement took one verse of the Bible, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And they interpreted it wrong. And we think evangelism, Matthew 28, go ye therefore in all the world is about evangelism. It's not about evangelism. It's about discipleship. We're not called to just go out and pass out tracts and get a, get a confession for Jesus. That's not making disciples. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if that's all we're doing, if all I do every week is invite people to come up and repeat a prayer after me, and I say, "Ah, they're good to go, man. They confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's not what God has commanded us to do. That's not discipleship. One of the most, one of the most, you know, have you ever had one of those aha moments? One of, the, one of the best aha moments I had was when Alan Hirsch was up and he didn't have his whiteboard. He said, but imagine, let me draw a line. He said, and here is the point where Jesus meets his disciples. And, and here's the point where Jesus, you know, goes to the cross or sins. At what point along the way were those disciples born again? Now, we can go through scripture and we say, well, it was here or it was here or it was here. The reality is we don't know. We don't know when the disciples were born again, but here's what we know. Jesus didn't wait until the disciples were born again to start making them disciples. See, our is like, oh, wow. We think, well, we got to get them saved first. And after we get them saved, we need to make them disciples. That's that's not what the Bible teaches us. Jesus didn't say, go you therefore in all the world, get them saved. And after you get them saved, make them disciples. He said, go make disciples and teach them. See, here's, here's this unspoken thing. 
We all know what the right answer is, but the way we're really living our lives is that we have the power to go out and, and make children of God. You and I don't have the power to make children of God. And we were not commanded to go out and make children of God. Only God can produce a child. Only God can make children of God. But he did call us and command us to make disciples. And in the process of making disciples, in the process of living life with one another, in the process of of taking that person and living life with them and letting them be part of my life and letting them watch the fireworks through my eyes. Somewhere along the way, something magical, something supernatural is going to happen. God, by his spirit, is going to cause them to be born again. It's going to happen when I, while I'm making them disciples. This is why I believe Paul writes, and he said, look, church, it's not your place to judge the world. God will judge the world. But we've been commanded to go into the world and make disciples. We judge the church. So once someone confesses faith in Christ and they call themselves part of the family, how many of you parents, when you're at HEB and you see someone else's children acting up, you go over there and spank that child? Anyone been put in jail recently for that? Because that's what's going to happen if you do that. They'll call someone like George to come and get you. (laughs) No, you don't. You know why? Because that's not your child. But, but what do you do with your children when they're acting up in H-E-B? You discipline them. If you got to spank them, you spank them. Because they're your children. You have the authority, the right to do that. That's what Paul says about the church. He said, hey, church, hey, Corinth, it's not your job to judge the world. God's going to do that. God will judge the world. But those who are in the family, those are the ones that you're supposed to be providing guidance and boundaries and discipline for. We're called to make disciples. There are exciting things happening in church. I'm telling you what. I'm going to end with this. Now, I hadn't been to a conference in a long time, and I really only met, um, you know, I only really talked at length to two people there. One was a guy from Kentucky, and one was a guy from California. And the guy from Kentucky was sitting right in front of us. I actually really talked to him more. Uh, and the guy from California, they were sitting somewhere else. And I didn't even know the guy's name until like the last day of the conference. And so, you know, it was the last night and I'm standing there worshiping. And uh, it was weird. I told Spencer this after the service. I knew that the service was getting ready to be over and I'm just standing there singing. You know, when I worship, I generally I close my eyes. You know, I'm standing there and I'm worshiping the Lord and and everything, and it's all good, and, and uh, you know, you just feel it. All of a sudden, I just had this sense that this guy from California had a word for me. He just, I, I knew that he was going to just give me an encouraging word. You know, I'm not talking about spooky, stupid stuff, okay? You know, the Bible says we ought to be able to come together and have a word of encouragement for one another, Right? I love what Brother Ehler said. Why can't, we, why can't we be people of faith without being weird? I'm not talking about something weird, okay? I just, I'm there and I'm like, this, this brother, he's, he's going to tell me something. I just, I don't know why, just out of the blue, I'm worshiping. And I just, all of a sudden, I just, you know, but I, I'm like, well, you know, is that me, Lord? 
Uh, and I've never been one to seek after a word. I figure if God's got a word for me, he'll get it to me, however he wants to do it. Um, I would rather run away from that and, and, and know that when it happens, it's God versus, hey, brother, you got a word for me? You know, I'm just, you know, you can do that. It's like, uh, well, well, let me think, you know, for a moment. Mm, don't do that, okay? God's got something for you. Uh, without you trying to figure out how to make it happen, it'll, it'll happen, okay? Uh, generally, it's going to happen through the Scripture if you'll read your Bible. So I'm just there, and I'm, re- I'm, I'm worshiping. And the service is over, and everybody's leaving. And so, you know, we're gathering our stuff. And the guy from California who was sitting there who I'm thinking... I think he's going to have, you know, just a word of encouragement for me. You know, he's getting ready to leave. And I'm thinking, well, you know, it was just me. And he's getting ready to walk off. And he he's walking off and he stops and he goes, you know, I just, I just feel like God wants me to encourage you. He said, he said, you know, it's no no big thing. He said, but I just feel like God's got a word of encouragement for you. He said, I, he said, I just feel like God just wants to encourage you that, you know, everything's going to be all right. That don't stress, that that he's got everything under control, that he's got a really good plan for your church, and that just don't worry about things. It's it's going to be good. And uh, I said, man, I really appreciate that. And um, so he left. Well, and I did tell him this. The, the first day on Thursday, we, we had this, and, and here's where we're going to end. We're fixing to go next door, family. We're going to go eat, okay? Joy, in just a moment, I'm going to cue you, and I want you to put those, those, that slide up. So Thursday, we spend all day with the guys from England, 3DM. And, and they did this all through the conference. So we're just sitting there, and, and, and Mike Breen goes, now, and, and it, it, it was really wonderful. Uh, he just was such a funny English man. Um, and he goes, now, we're just going to take a few moments. And he said, you know, we've, we, we've discussed a lot of things. And he said, now, what we do, he said, one of the things that we do, he said, we just ask people, you know, what is God, what is God speaking to you? He said, you know, sometimes we get, we've, we've lost our ability to hear God. You know, whether we're reading the scripture, praying, whatever, you know, it just becomes, we've just lost our ability to hear. And he said, I want you to just take a couple of moments and I want you just to, to just listen and I want you to, to hear what God's saying to you. And, then, and then, then ask yourself this question. What is God saying to me? And what are you going to do about it? And at the conference, they added a third question. It was, who are you going to share it with? So that Thursday, I'm sitting there. And he said, yeah, just take a couple of minutes. Again, it wasn't some spooky thing. It was just, you know, two minutes. And I just felt like God, in my spirit, I just felt like God say, don't be fearful. I am in total control of everything. Don't be fearful. That's what I heard Thursday. And so, you know, now share it with the people at your table. I, I told Dave, Dave was sitting next to me. I said, I said, you know, I just felt like God just impressed on me that don't be fearful. Just trust him. He's in total control of everything. So then I get to the conference, you know, and... The guy from California is getting ready to leave. Oh, you know, I just feel like God wants to give this word of encouragement. You know, don't don't stress. Don't be stressed. Everything's going to be okay. God's got a really good plan for your church. And I said, well, I got to tell you, I said, that is a word of confirmation. I said, because, you know, I didn't know what to expect coming to this conference. And I said, first thing Thursday, you know, we're in the group 3DM people. And, and Mike says, what's the Lord saying? And, you know, 
And that's what I felt like God said to me. Nothing big, no fireworks in the sky, just a very simple word of encouragement. So here's what I want to do. Joy, put the slide up. I want you just right now just to take a moment. We're getting ready to go next door and we're going to eat our meal. Not just what we've shared today, but man, you've heard, you've seen uh, David and Joshua and Brian get up here and just bare their souls. I'm going to tell you what, I know both of these guys. It's not easy for them to get up and, and just wear their emotions like that. It, it, it was, it's real. What God is doing is real. So whether it was something today or something, I don't care. I just want you to take a few moments and I just want you to, to hear what God might be saying to you. I want you to consider that, would you? What is God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? And who are you going to share it with? Now, here's what we're going to do. You're going to do that. I'm going to pray and thank God for the food next door. We're going to wait just a couple of minutes, then we're going to go next door. And whoever you sit with, I want you just to share what, with that person what, what you felt like God spoke to your heart. And, and maybe if you feel the liberty, maybe we can share that amongst each other. Amen. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for what you are doing in your church. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Lord, speak to us, your people. Lord, give us a hunger for your word, for the scripture. Lord, you'll never say anything that's going to go against what you have declared through the written word. But God, help us to be people that are not only hungry for the word, but sensitive to what you are speaking to us through the scripture, through prayer. Lord, through another person, through a word of encouragement in the little things, God. Help us to be people who tune our ear to hear your voice. You said, Lord Jesus, my sheep hear my voice and no other will they follow. Thank you for the food next door, for the hands that prepared it. Bless our meal today as we fellowship as a family. Let it be glorifying to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now just take, just take a moment. What is God speaking to you and what are you going to do about it? Now I invite you to get up and go next door and maybe God's still speaking to you. He can speak as you walk. And uh, go next door, sit down. And uh, now I want you to share with somebody what God has put in your heart, what he shared with you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. And then we'll see you next door.